I think we, we use in the radio business when I used to be a DJ in high school and college, teasers, right? These are all mm -hmm. teasers to get you uh, tracked in and watch the show, get their ratings up. And everybody's all about rating. It's more about the entertainment than it is maybe necessarily really good news anymore, right? So when the main news story on the local news has to do with, you know, dogs and cats and things like that. I mean, I like dogs and cats, but that's not real news. <laughs> it's not the Walter Cronkite of today's. It's time for the Retirement Reality Podcast with the founder of Principal Preservation Services, Mike Koyanen. Welcome into the Retirement Reality Podcast. I am Ben George alongside Mike Koyanen. And today's show, we're going to hit a couple different things. We've got a news item. We're going to get to what everybody's talking about to start 2020, and that's the Stretch IRA, part of the Secure Act. So we're going to get Mike's thoughts on uh, some of the changes with that as well, since you're probably thinking about that as you're uh, looking ahead of what you're trying to do in 2020. We'll also answer a mailbag question a little bit later on in the show. And then our main topic today, we're focusing on bias in financial media. It's, uh, you know, we, we've heard this trend of fake news you know it's a very trendy uh, word or phrase and we've heard it quite a bit over the last few years but there is bias out there and we'll explain why and some things you look out for so mike welcome on the show man looking forward to this one it's gonna be a busy episode it will be and good morning good morning to you how's every, how's the team doing how's everything in your neck of the woods uh, business is great uh, new year's exciting uh, my goal is get through winter again <laughs> and break it up with a couple little short little business trips in there. But um, we got new people on board to expanding our team as well. So we're excited about that. Great. Well, looking forward to it. Uh, let's jump right into this one. And I want to yeah. get some talk about this, this headline, because this is, I know, I'm sure something you've talked about with clients already quite a bit, but mm -hmm. just nationally, everybody's been talking about it, is the Stretch IRA. And as part of the SECURE Act, we've you know we talked about it, I think, a little bit on the show uh, at times at the end of last year, especially as it was passed late, late in the year in 2019. But what does this mean for clients and what do we got to be paying attention to with this? Yeah, well, first of all, if you are already have an inherited IRA, you're grandfathered in. So if you inherited maybe your parents' IRA or some other family member's IRA and you've been in 2019 or sooner, nothing's changed. So that's a good thing. Uh, but what's happening here from 2020 and on, now if your children inherit your IRA or somebody other than spouse, now they can no longer stretch it out over their lifetime. That was the benefit of the stretch IRA to to limit those taxes over you know as much as possible by spreading that money out over their lifetime. Just like you know they're called inherited RMDs, required minimum distributions. They're at a, a different scale and a higher scale than a, a traditional required minimum distribution. So here's a big change. Here is again by. Just say you have two children and they're each going to inherit a quarter million dollars before they could each stretch it out over their lifetime and most likely they're working. So it's not going to be a big tax implication. Now the rule is taking that money out, it has to be all out within 10 years. So now you're, you're looking at $25,000 roughly a year that you could take out. But on top of your income, you're going to be paying more taxes. But here's another catch to it. They're not even requiring you to take money out every year. 
here's the, the rule is so maybe you get lazy or maybe you're not on top of it or you said you know what i'm gonna take it out at a later date well now you inherit two hundred fifty thousand dollars. now 10 years later you maybe you thought you'd be retired and it wouldn't affect you as much but now that money's grown to a half a million dollars 10 years later and now you're required to take it all out in that final year hmm. so now you have a half a million dollars of taxable income and if you're still working that just could be a nightmare tax-wise so the key is now is even more important to work with an advisor it's more important to consider Roth conversions because these don't apply to Roth you don't your children don't pay taxes on receiving Roth money so that's very important a big big change it's uh, it's another way to get some extra tax dollars in right now Okay, so is that the reason why? Because I look at this and, you know, I've never, I haven't had to deal with a stretch IRA and I've never really thought about one too much. But why, it seems like this is a negative for investors and just for people. Why would, why would a change like this happen that it seemingly doesn't benefit anyone, but maybe the government? (laughs) Yeah, and I think that's really the only thing it does. And it's quicker to get those off the books. I mean, you're looking at the largest, you know, largest generation out there, the baby boomers, where there's 79 million baby boomers out there. And there's a good chance and the biggest transfer of wealth is going to be happening here when they pass going to their children. And the last thing you want that money just to be extended, extended out these taxes to be kind of really deferred out when they could use the money. We're, we're looking at a national deficit, the highest it's ever been. So I really believe it's a, a tax play um, just to bring extra tax dollars into the economy. Okay. Well, that makes sense, but it's important to kind of as you said, look at your options to kind of make adjustments for this and Roth conversions is a big part of that. So work with someone on that. And let me remind you too, as we get into our main topic here, you know, Mike and his team over principal preservation services can help you with that and help you with all the things that we talk about. So make sure you check them out online. A lot of resources on their website as well. Uh, As you kind of get, like I said, I'm new to a lot of these different topics, especially stretch RA. You go to their website, check it out. You're going to find different resources in, that are going to help you out as you're trying to build your retirement plan. But you can always call them as well at 855-987-8888 to set up an appointment and talk about these things. But the website as well is principalpreservationservices.com. So let's jump into the main topic. And this is one, Mike, that I think uh, a lot of people love saying now. Fake news, right? That's, <laughs> that's the, it's the big term. And look, yeah. I mean, it, although some of it is to distract, I think there is a lot of truth to that, uh, the fake news. News uh, comment quite a bit. And, you know, it doesn't, financial news isn't any exception to that either. And we're going to talk about four different ways that you can find bias in financial news. And let me start with the first one. I think that since this new age of digital media and digital marketing, it's all about getting somebody's attention. And the way they do that is with a very catchy headline that oftentimes doesn't deliver. That sensationalism is the first way they get you in. Yeah, I think we, we use in the radio business when I used to be a DJ in high school and college, teasers, right? These are all mm-hmm. teasers to get you uh, tracked in and watch the show, get their ratings up. And everybody's all about rating. It's more about the entertainment than it is maybe necessarily really good news anymore, right? So when the main news story on the local news has to do with, you know, dogs and cats and things like that. I mean, I like dogs and cats, but that's not real news. <laughs> it's not the Walter Cronkite of today. So 
read into what really is. And, and that's the sensationalism, making things bigger than they really are. And I'm not getting political here at all, but just going back to last year when we had, you know, the tariff wars with China and, and it's still going on, but uh, it got kind of ugly a little bit last summer. And even, and I'm, I'm again, I'm not political, but even I read an article from a gentleman who, who was not a Trump supporter. And he said how the media blew this tariff talks out of the water because he said uh, the media made it sound like it was going to be, you know, one of the worst decisions ever. And it caused the market to drop drastically. Yeah. Uh, just because uh, the media just took that narrative and ran with it like it was the worst decision ever to have a, a, these tariff tax on China. And uh, it caused the market to drop so much in a short period of time that he said this would have equated to over 20 years of what tariffs were, just what the market oh. lost in two days. And so he's like, that's where the media really took a molehill, turned it into a mountain to the viewers. And people bought it, hook, like line and sinker. Yeah. And this is a person who was not a Trump supporter. So I'm just telling you, not to, you know, not political, that ho- that's one way that the media can really jump on your fear and emotions to make some bad decisions. Yeah. So don't, first of all, don't react immediately to what you read. Second, always read and actually click on the story and read through it to actually see what the truth is behind what they're presenting to you. And right. don't react so strongly to it. Get, get somebody's feedback, step away for a minute, kind of see and process everything before you react to what you're reading. So that's the first one. The second thing to be aware of in media is oftentimes people will take out paid placements, right? So they'll, they'll buy time and they'll present uh, basically, it's, a, it's an hour long or 30 minutes or whatever that time frame is, just an advertisement for them. So they might it might sound like the best thing in the world, but you got to be careful. They're just promoting themselves, and that's their main focus. Yeah, and, and they do it well. Sometimes you're yeah. watching a program, you think it's a real news story, but no, it's a paid infomercial that looks like a news story. And you know, they get these people playing financial advisors or these people playing um, – uh, you know, real broadcasters, real journalists out there doing this research, but they're really actors, really uh, pushing. And sometimes they're they're not even actors. Sometimes they're they're actual stock junkies. Like you know, these are guys pushing certain stocks, but they're paid to push certain ones. And I just I remind people. I said if they're if they're uh, giving you the hot takes on a certain investment today, it's already old news. Yeah. <laughs> right. And exactly. so you're paying you're paying money to, to get some hot takes and some investments out there. Well, they're getting paid to push these agendas, these investments, and it's already old news. So you got to be careful. I've start watching some stories before like, well, this is intriguing. Then find out, no, you kind of catch into it. Oh, this is one of those. Or I've picked up a magazine on a plane or or um, yeah. on vacation somewhere and you, you read the whole page advertising and it looks amazing. Then you have to read the fine print at the bottom. And it's it, they paid a lot of money to be in there. Or in the newspapers, they take a half-page ad in the newspapers. You see that in a lot of uh, the USA Today. And it looks like a real new story, but it is just a paid placement. So you got to just be careful uh, with that. Yeah, I think the internet's another place too. Like you'll click on something that looks like a story or like a news story, and it, mm-hmm. and it's basically just an advertisement written like a news story that it makes you think that, yeah, this is exactly what I'm looking for, and it could be totally wrong. So yeah, some things to keep an eye on. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, another way you can be misled by the media, and this is not always intentional, but you got to be paying attention to what you're listening to because oftentimes you might be the wrong audience for what the message is. I mean, if depending on where you are in your life or your career or your retirement plan, you might be listening to somebody that's presenting you a strategy that's built for somebody that's 35 and here you are 55 and you're listening to them taking their advice and it's completely wrong for you. I hear this a lot. I get a lot of people who they went to a seminar even <laughs> and they went to a seminar and the seminar was not designed for maybe retirees designed for just, you know, a, a younger investor. And they're like, well, this is what they're, they're recommending to do. And I should be in stocks. Why, why, why should I be in a 70, 30 portfolio or, or whatever that might be? We hear this a lot, or they see something on TV and I said, well, that's not why we have this plan. We're devising your plan based off of your risk tolerance, your age and your retirement date. And so we, a lot of times we have to pull them back in and I'm not trying to be condescending, but there's certain personality types that get drawn into that. <laughs> and um, there's certain ones that just get drawn into, there's something else better out there. And maybe that's just the way you're brought up, that maybe the grass is always greener on the other side and you're always looking for that next big thing to take off. But you have to be steady with the plan and be trusting of the plan that's in place and make sure that's not, can be something that's um, for somebody else. And we get that with, uh, you hear this, um, a lot of clients come in and say, oh, I want to do this this investment. It's really not an investment. It's life insurance with cash value accumulation. Okay. And people go, oh, my goodness, I, I got to max fund this uh, life insurance that's going to grow and make a lot of money, and I could take tax-free money out. It's not even a true investment, but it's you can actually grow some good cash value in there. But when you're 60, 65, 70, it's not a good idea. I said it might be a good plan for somebody who's in their 20s, 30s, 40s, maybe early 50s. But for certain people, it's not designed for that. Or or maybe doing Roth conversions. If you're in retirement, what's the point of doing Roth conversions right now? Unless you're really concerned about the SECURE Act, which we talked about, and uh, leaving a lot of money behind to your children. Uh, but if you're going to be using most of your money anyways, what's the point of doing a Roth conversion later in retirement or real close to it? And that's why we, we want to show everybody what what's the difference. You do it this way or do it that way. But again, the wrong audience for a lot of these causes stress on upon advisors because they have to reel them back in and get them back onto the plan and make sure that they understand why you are doing what you're doing and stay steady to that course. And this is a good this is a good one too to make sure you work with an advisor as you mentioned just to kind of you know bounce ideas off of to see if they work for you you might have heard it somewhere but it, you know you might not realize it's not for you until you talk to somebody that's looking out for your best interest so that's a good call Mike uh, the final one is somebody that has an axe to grind and you might you might not know this when you're listening to them but you know everybody's got a reason for what they're talking about on TV or uh, on online whatever it is. They might have an interest in a stock. They might have just sold a stock. Or they might have been burned by a stock or whatever that product is. I use stocks as an example. But you just never know what's behind them. So you have to take everything you hear kind of with a grain of salt. Right. Yeah, I mean, they, they might have been burned by that investment in a certain company, and they, they're upset. They lost maybe a good part of their portfolio, and they don't want to uh, help that company anymore by giving advice to buy. Or maybe they actually have interest in a competing company that right. – we don't know. We don't know the situation. So it's really tough to get an unbiased, to, unless you really know the person who's giving that advice and have a good track record about why they're doing that. 
You know, a lot of people, if you look at Warren Buffett, and I think he's done well, he's given some really good general advice, but for people just to follow even what, and now this is not an axe or grind, but just the people to, this is a little side note, a little extra for you. If people follow everything that Warren Buffett does, you know, when he goes in, he buys, everybody typical follows what he does and buys, but when Warren buys, he doesn't buy just a few stocks, he buys thousands and thousands of, of, of shares, right? And then when Warren gets out, you know, he's usually out before everybody else because he knows what's going to happen. <laughs> so who, and, and if the, the uh, company takes a hit because of the, um, when Warren leaves, usually he sees things before they happen and the market uh, takes a dip or that, that company stock takes a dip, who takes the dip? Typically not Warren Buffett. Right. And uh, what he does, it's going to be the regular shareholders or the common folks. So, so you have to be very careful of that. But again, the axe to grind, we don't know their intentions unless you really know that person and they're very unbiased. And that's why I like sometimes some of these, um, well, you get the Susie Orbans of the world and, you know, she gave up her licenses just to, so she can actually talk unbiased on a lot of topics. And, hmm. you know, there's other people like that. So she was, you know, all these securities licenses, but she purposely gave them all up just to come across as a trusted reference um, uh, so she's not bought out by anybody, which I appreciate that there's others like that out there, but um, be very careful who you're getting your advice from. Yeah, well, that's why we wanted to go through this topic with you today is so that you are just kind of aware of whatever you're listening to or reading or watching that you kind of know what the maybe the message behind what you're hearing is. And, and there's a lot of bias out there. And whether it's intentional or not, it's happening, and you need to be aware this day and age of, uh, of where, where you're getting your information from, because you want to stay up to date, but you want to make sure you're also getting it from the correct sources and accurate sources as well. So thanks for running through that with us, Mike. Remember, uh, reach out to Mike's team, too, to help you with these things. And, and as I said, bounce these ideas off if you hear things and you want to get a second opinion. Mike and his team is, is the exact kind of person you want to talk to, because they're going to give it to you straight, good or bad. And, uh, and help make sure it works for you and your plan. And you can find them online at principalpreservationservices.com. You can call them to set up a meeting or appointment at 855-987-8888. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. Now it's time to get into the mailbag. We got a question we want to answer today from a listener, and it comes from Paul. He asked this, Mike. He says, I have about 50000 in cash value in an old life insurance policy. I don't really need the insurance anymore. So should I just cash it out and invest that money somewhere else? Yeah, good question. Uh, we see this a lot because a lot of people took out these policies in the 80s or 90s now. And they're like, you know what? I don't really need this anymore. My debt is paid off. I got plenty of you know investments out there. And if something happened to me, we don't need to replace income. My wife's going to be just fine. I said, that's a great, great place to be at. I agree. A lot of people in retirement do not need to have keep a lot of life insurance unless your goals will leave a lot behind. I mean, what we're seeing a lot when these, if you have a cash value of maybe 50000 a lot of times we're finding your death benefit is 65, 75, 80. It's not a big difference. You bought these, maybe these whole life or uh, these universal lives. A lot of times they don't pan out like you thought. Uh, so the death benefits sometimes not that great. Now, if it's paid up, there's nothing wrong with keeping it there. But if uh, 
we see a lot of these universal lives. I had a couple of them last week where the cash value was decreasing each year because what happens, the older you get, the, the more the insurance goes up, the cost of insurance increases. So if you don't want to keep increasing your payments to keep up with the cost of insurance, they take that money out of your, your cash value and it starts decreasing. So a couple things to keep in mind. There's a couple things you can do. Yeah, you could cash it out. Make sure you find out whoever's holding your, you know, the insurance company is holding that money. What is going to be the tax implication? They're not going to tell you tax implication, but they'll tell you what the cost basis is of that money. Maybe it's $40,000. Maybe it's 35000 is what your cost basis is. And you have to pay taxes on that. So it's not going to be tax free. In most cases, you're going to have to pay some taxes. Another thing to keep in mind is you can roll that into uh, irrevocable funeral trust. I know I talked about that before. Now, $50,000 is overkill with the cost of a funeral. <laughs> but the nice thing is you can still do it in, in the state of Minnesota and Wisconsin. A lot of states are this way. You can actually put aside $15,000 for funeral expenses that cannot be touched by Medicaid. We always look at worst case scenario down the line. They can't um, touch that money. And then whatever's not used will still go to your beneficiaries tax-free. So at least you can stop the payments. You may, maybe you're paying $50, $75 a month for that. Maybe the cash value is decreasing. If you don't need it, A, you could reinvest it. You can actually do a 1035 exchange into some sort of a annuity. Maybe you just want into a fixed annuity or fixed index annuity, something that's going to grow safely and you don't pay the taxes on that transfer. Or you could do it into an irrevocable funeral trust, or you could just take that cash, pay a little bit of taxes and do what you want with it. So those are the options to look at. As long as your debt is paid off, I don't see any issue with any one of those three. Great. Well, thanks for the question, Paul. We appreciate you reaching out. You can always do so by calling Mike's office at 855-987-8888. You can connect online at principalpreservationservices.com or connect on Facebook as well. You can send a message there and we will bring it onto the show and ask the question and uh, give an answer to you and to everyone listening to hopefully provide value to everyone. So thank you for that. Mike, that's going to do it for this episode. I appreciate it. Uh, it's been a good one. Make sure you subscribe, too, by the way. Uh, if you Please haven't do, yet, yeah. subscribe. You'll get the next one delivered right to you. We have a new episode coming out every single week. Another good one coming next week. So we'll be looking forward to that. So, Mike, thanks for the time today. You are welcome. Had a good time. That'll do it for us. For Mike, I am Ben. Thanks for listening to the Retirement Reality Podcast. We look forward to talking to you on the next episode. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.